Coming up today on the Lockdown Hornets podcast, we drool over Devontae Graham, a 40-piece last night against the Nets. It wasn't just him, though. A lot of energy being exuded from guys like Miles Bridges, P.J. Washington. A lot of fun to see that victory last night. And this. That's a siren song, baby. Calls the ships home. Ooh, baby Yoda. Ooh, baby Yoda. That's so bad. (laughs) You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. In a minute, cuz. We live. We live. just asking questions just questions i'm not making any definitive statement all i'm asking is is it crazy to say that Devonte graham might make the eastern conference all-star team uh, just it's, asking it's, questions. it's not crazy the hornets have an all-star and his name is Devonte graham i'm fully on the Devonte graham all-star train choo-choo if he keeps up this pace you gotta believe he is worthy of a reserve look. So we went over the numbers, right? He was third in assists per game among point guards in the Eastern Conference. He was second in three-point percentage among point guards in the Eastern Conference. And by the way, George Hill, again, I referenced this yesterday. George Hill was ahead of him at only like 2.9 attempts behind the line. Devontae Graham is behind him in percentage, but taking almost nine attempts behind the line, which is just ridiculous. You look at points, he's top five. I think those stats are probably good enough. Also, and now he's also getting some national here's the recognition. Stat, here's the stat that matters. Nobody wants to see George Hill in an all-star game. Devontae Graham is exciting. He is electric. He is mystifying in that he is a second-year player and has all of a sudden become one of the best NBA shooters around. I mean, with in a year without Steph, in a year without Klay Thompson, you have Devontae Graham as the most exciting guy on the block. And nobody wants to see George Hill in an all-star game. Doug is hyped up as if he were on some booger sugar because of the performance that Devontae Graham exuded last night. What happened yesterday was Doug giving a level-headed take on whether Devontae Graham should be considered for an all-star game, saying it's not crazy. It would have been crazy at the beginning of the season. Very level-headed, very logical take from Doug. Now I throw it out 40 points later, 7 of 12 from behind the line later. Now Doug is ready to say that he's in the likes of a Clay Thompson and Steph Curry. The That's only the only drug I'm on is a little bit of Devontae Graham 40-point magic. That's the drug that I'm on. And I'm telling you, 40 points. I said it on the last show. That's the magic number. That's It's a narrative number. He hit narrative shots. He did it in a big city in Brooklyn under the bright lights. He knocked that team out. And now you have national media members like Bobby Marks, like Kevin Pelton. They're all of a sudden tweeting about Devontae Graham. He's been doing this all year, folks, but they're all of a sudden tweeting about it. Why? And the answer is 40 points is a magic number. It's like it sets something off in national media members' brains. Neurons start firing going, wait a minute, why haven't we been talking about Devontae Graham? Well, I got news for you, Kevin Pelton. I got news for you, Bobby Marks. I love you. Please come back on the show. But also, we've been talking about Devontae Graham. But I they've don't been, they've been waiting the on 40 points. coming from you. This is a good thing. You seem angry at I'm these no, guys. This no, is a I'm good excited. thing. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm just telling you, I'm giving you an understanding 
of what goes on in the national media. They need the narrative. <laughs> they you. need the 40 points in the box score to all of a sudden wake them up to this idea that this player has been playing well. And they look over and they see the last five games, he's been lighting it up every single game, and they're like, wait, well, why weren't we paying attention to this? And the reason is you need that 40 points. Devontae stepped up and he gave it to him. The, the acceptance from Doug in an aggressive way, a very weird way, but the acceptance comes from the tweets by Bobby Marks and Kevin Pelton. We'll start with Kevin Pelton's based on the idea that Devontae Graham absolutely is one of, if not the front runner now for the most improved player. Kevin tweeted out yesterday, last night after that game, he said, standard sample size caveats apply, but entering tonight, Devontae Graham's season-to-season scoring increase would be the fourth largest since the ABA-NBA merger and surpass this team's chairman for largest in that span by a player with the same team both years. That list includes Dale Ellis at number one. Great player, right? I I love these lists. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, he's more. He's more than a little stretch. That's Dale Ellis. Dale Ellis had a 7.1 scoring output one season per game. That jumped... 24.9. 24.9. So that was a 17.8 points per game change. Tony Campbell had a 17 point per game change. Kelly Trapuca, he's on the list. Talk about a little stretch. He in might in his maybe a little bit better. Right, well, so he had a little stretch in Detroit where he was a 20 point per game scorer. Mm-hmm. And then he goes to Utah, and for whatever reason, I don't know the history behind it, but his, I mean, he had, I think he had injuries in that second year in Utah when he scored seven points per game. But I don't know why his scoring just hit the hit the bottom of the well when he was in Utah, but then he gets picked up, I guess, in the in the franchise draft by by the Charlotte Hornets for that inaugural 88-89 season, and he, and he was one of their leading scorers. My, I think he was the leading scorer for the Hornets. So 15.1 point per game change for Kelly Trapuca, and then Devontae Graham comes in at fourth on the list. Fun fact, Michael Jordan comes in at fifth, basically just taking a level that nobody has reached before, 22.7 points per game one year. He jumps all the way to 37.1 ridiculous here's what's crazy to me like obviously he worked really hard on his shooting props to hard work and the coaching staff working with him to develop both his shot you know coming off the pick and roll but also I mean his pull-up just his his straight Mm -hmm. pull-up has been magical that final shot it was a rainbow shot It, it fluttered in the air dipsy doodled in the air it reminded me of like a knuckleball maybe it was just the the weird lights that they have in Brooklyn or maybe that court just had me hypnotized but I didn't know where that ball was going. And all of a sudden, it landed uh, in the net. And and I went crazy, Walker. I mean, I was up out of my seat, clapping my You're hands. You're still going crazy. The Hornets don't get me like that anymore. But now they do because of Devontae Graham. But here's the crazy part, Walker. It's not the increase in three-point percentage. It's how commanding he was in that game. He said, give me the basketball. I'm going to go make a play. Not the first time we've seen it this season. He did the same thing against Indiana the last time the Hornets had a major comeback. It was 19 points against Indiana, 20 points against Brooklyn for the comeback win. But I could not have guessed that based on last season. He was such a timid player last season. You're you're just you're thrilled right now about how excited I am. I'm just like I'll, I I'm Christmas is Christmas has come early, baby. <laughs> baby Yoda is in the house and he's he's using the force on everyone. 
you have ran away with the baby Yoda comparison. You are absolutely in love with Devontae Graham, and I am fine with it. This is a level of excitement that we haven't seen. We usually get you coffee jacked up, Doug. We do get that every once in a while, but this is Devontae Graham jacked up, Doug. I'm here for it. Continue. Well, for those who are caught up on The Mandalorian, uh, this is not really a big spoiler, but baby, here's another comparison between Baby Yoda and Devontae Graham that I love. In the show, they can't keep Baby Yoda locked up. Like, whenever the Mandalorian tries to, like, put Baby Yoda away to keep him safe, he always finds a way to get out. And that's exactly like Devontae. Like, you can't you can't keep this guy down. It doesn't matter how many shots he misses at the rim. He's still going to take his shots from beyond the arc, and he's still going to make them. It doesn't matter what defense you throw at this guy. He's going to get a shot up now, and he's going to knock it down. You can't keep him away from six three-pointers made in a game. Six threes with ease, Devontae Graham. Woo! That's the same sort of thought process that may have led to Bobby Mark's tweet out. We might need to start thinking about Devontae Graham when talking Eastern Conference reserves. And then at that point in the game, he said now up to 40 points. Devontae has your attention, folks. It's time to start paying a little bit more considering the things that he's been doing this season. We'll continue our breakdown of the game last night between the Hornets and the Nets on the next segment of the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets decoys all over the place. They've got everybody down at the rim. Ball goes into biz. They do like an XFL style where the wide receiver runs to the line of scrimmage, except it's with Devontae Graham. He picks up a foul. I don't care what you say, Nate McMillan. More like Nate McVillan. Get out of here. Quit whining about the officials. You got plenty of calls. The Hornets got a call at the end of the game. I thought it was fair. Hornets win. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. No doubt Devontae Graham was the biggest story. Uh, maybe of the NBA last night. We got Rob Perez to change his name to a Charlotte Hornet this season. That was an upset in my book. I think he went Dewabte, uh, Dewabte Graham. I think that's what he said. And I'll take it. That's probably the biggest accomplishment that Devontae Graham has accomplished this season. 40 points is a magic number. It wasn't just Devontae, though, Doug. You had some good performances from other players last night. It was mainly Devontae, but you got a pretty good team effort in a lot of other areas. I want to talk about the rebounding a little bit more. The Brooklyn Nets have destroyed the Charlotte Hornets in the first two games they played in rebounding, and that was not necessarily the case last night. They still got out-rebounded. The Nets had 52 total rebounds. The Hornets had 47. But I'll take that against the Nets. When DeAndre Jordan has destroyed you, when Jared Allen destroyed you, I'll take only a five-rebound differential. And how about the starters? All of them getting, making sure that they were active down low getting some boards. P.J. Washington ended up with six. Miles Bridges had four, but had a huge tip for a P.J. Washington rebound at the end of that game where he was able to go down and fight for it. I forget. I think it might have been Jared Allen who he was fighting with, but he's able to get that rebound. Bismack Biombo had six. Terry Rozier had seven. Devontae Graham had five. You go to the bench. MKG with a lot of big rebounds. He had seven. Cody Zeller had six. And then Cody Martin had four. So everybody that played double-digit minutes in this game had at least four rebounds. Dwayne Bacon ended up with two in the seven minutes that he played. I thought that the Hornets came out with a ton of energy. Maybe not came out and started this game with a ton of energy. It was bad in the first half. But in the second half, I thought they came out of the locker room with a ton of energy defensively, a ton of energy with a, a, a lot of effort to go get those rebounds. Even if they weren't successful, 
They gave themselves opportunities to have a chance at some of those rebounds. Only add eight turnovers in this game, Doug. They had six in the first quarter of that game in the, against the Wizards. And then since, they've only had, I think they only had about seven or six since in that Wizards game. And then they had eight in this one. So I, I think you have to be pleased with the way that P.J. Washington showed some defensive effort and Miles Bridges coming up with some big boards. Same with MKG. I, I just like I like the energy that everybody else brought behind Devontae Graham's 40 spot. Yeah, props to I think Miles Bridges had a couple of key rebounds in the fourth quarter. And then you look at the lineup that really saved this game for the Hornets. They they didn't come out of the third quarter, you know, very well. That second half, they the Brooklyn Nets going on an 11-3 run at about the 10-24 mark. But then it was Devontae Graham and essentially the bench. You had Miles Bridges alongside Devontae Graham paired with Michael K. Gilchrist, Cody Zeller, and Cody Martin. And it was a perfect combo because you had Devontae Graham who couldn't miss, and he was providing all of the offense. And then you had Cody Martin, Michael K. Gilchrist providing that hustle and that defense and that ball pressure. And then you had Zeller cleaning up things on the boards. And then I love how many minutes Bismack Biombo got in the fourth quarter. You got physical. You got rebounds from him. You got Zeller in there when in the brief moments that Bismack was not in the fourth quarter. I mean, I love the rotations in this game in the second half. I thought it was well done by JB, just always having mm-hmm. some physicality. And sort of he was forced to do that because you got no Marvin, no Malik, uh, no Batum. So you're down three guys. That's the unhealthiest the Hornets have been all season. And they had this foe in the Brooklyn Nets that had already gotten them twice. It lo- all hoped looked lost in this game. And then all of a sudden, this Hornets team rised like the Phoenix and won this basketball game. I think MKG really helps this basketball team. And I wasn't the biggest fan of sitting him. You don't agree? Or are you saying it's about time that they played him? What? Yes, he does help in this moment when they can't really find any kind of defensive physicality. He has certainly been an impact player on the defensive end. But you've seen them struggle mightily offensively. Like they have to have Devontae Graham do what he did last night or they don't win this basketball game because – when you play Michael Kidd Gilchrist alongside Cody Martin, you're asking not to score. Oh, well, okay, of course. <laughs> Cody Martin is bad offensively, man. No, I'm with you on that. Well, so is MKG. Look, I mean, yeah, and it's not just because he and he hit, I think he might have hit a three in this game, but it's he not, did ju- hit a three, it's not so just because of his shooting. It's because of the, the decisions that he makes on ball and the effect of giving the defense one more player closer to the rim. They're certainly allowing him to do whatever he wants with the basketball because they know that he's not great offensively. I still think MKG is better offensively than what Cody is. Now, he did have four assists. They did put him at the point in this game. Cody Martin. Cody Martin, right. They did put him at PG for a little while, and, you know, Cody had four assists, did have a couple turnovers. I think shooting the basketball is certainly not Cody Martin's forte. I think that he looked, there was a couple threes that he forced up that he missed that just looked god-awful, and he wanted no part of those shots, but it was down in the shot clock, and he decided to hoist him up. But I do think MKG has been someone that has been impactful enough to continue to put into the rotation. I also want to talk about PJ Washington, Doug. I'm falling in love with PJ. Devontae Graham is amazing. There's no doubt about it. He's the storyline, and he is the most fun player to watch on this team. PJ Washington, in a on a roster where they're kind of looking for some nasty, James Brego trying to go to Bismack Biombo because he's pretty physical. PJ Washington is a strong dude, and he is a little bit nasty down there defensively and just pushing dudes to the side. Like, I yeah. think he already, I think he came into the league with a sense of belonging. I think he wasn't shy about 
throwing up a bunch of shots from behind the line. I think that had some confidence. I don't think PJ Washington has been soft in any measure. I think that there has been a little bit of uptick in the aggressiveness in him being a monster down low where guys bounce into him and then they go flying out of bounds. I believe that was Spencer Dinwiddie that happened to later in this game where BJ Washington was down low. Somebody runs into his backside and then almost falls into the goal. And what I love about PJ, what makes this funnier to me is PJ is a guy that he'll show some emotion to get himself going a little bit, but overall it's just, it's just a tree trunk on the size and basically the amount of time that he talks like he talks as much as a tree trunk would as well. Yeah. And I love how much the Hornets are looking to expose mismatches with him, right? Running pick and rolls with Devonte and Terry a lot against the wizards too, right? In order to get him switched on to a smaller guard where he can expose them in the paint. So the Hornets are actively trying to get him good looks down low. And he had two offensive rebounds. The Hornets had 15 offensive rebounds in this game. Only two more for the Brooklyn Nets, who have destroyed them in in games past on the boards. They had 17. So when you can match them and get some second chance points going on, you're going to give yourself a better opportunity to win the game uh, against them. A couple of more things. Terry Rozier, inefficient game for him. 5 of 15 from the field, 13 points. But he had a key bucket there in the fourth where he just put his head down, got to the rim, and scored two points when they needed it to help extend that lead. He had seven rebounds, four assists. So not the most efficient night, but I really liked his game. Uh, Miles Bridges, so he hits the key baskets. I mean, he had two of the the four threes at the end of the third quarter that helped lift this team and, and give them an opportunity to win this basketball game. So you can't take that away from him. But I just I'm so frustrated that he, of his on his drives, like why he won't just go to the basket and finish. He's looking for others to score. It's causing turnovers. Just like put your shoulder down, get to the rim, take some contact and finish at the rim. This it's getting ridiculous. Like Miles has the athleticism to throw it down. When is the last time we've seen Miles just take the basketball and force his way inside and yam it down? It's been a while, I think. To use a Carolina Panthers example, it reminds me a little bit of Kelvin Benjamin, this big, huge wide receiver for the Carolina Panthers that just seemed to play small. And I'm not saying Miles Bridges plays crazy small. There are times where he'll get amped up enough to go try to dunk on you. There are times where there will be some aggressiveness here and there, but there's also a lot of times where Miles Bridges will shy away a little bit at the point of attack he'll shy away a little bit from contact at the goal and decide to instead go straight up towards the basket. He'll lean a little bit more towards the right to try to get an angle. And that's considered a finesse move. Miles Bridges, when driving to the goal has one move, it's a spin move. He can spin both ways because he seems to be ambidextrous, right? We've talked about how good he is with his right hand, but if he spins and then there's a body there, he doesn't go straight up. Or if it's just a straight line drive, He doesn't go straight up. I'm totally with you on that. I think you need to unlock. You need to find something where maybe it's the guys that are screaming water sucks. Gatorade is better. There needs to be some kind of motivation for Miles Bridges to get angry and attack the basket in a way that I think he possesses. Here's the here's the perfect way to voice my frustration. Okay, Miles Bridges is playing like Vince Carter. Unfortunately, he's playing Mm -hmm. like 42-year-old Vince Carter and not 22-year-old Vince Carter. I want to see Miles Bridges as 22-year-old Vince Carter, and I'm not seeing it. And I think it's unfortunate for him, and I think it's unfortunate for the Hornets. Now, that's the bad side of the seesaw. Going to the good side is watching Miles Bridges come up with 
a very clutch three against Washington and very clutch shots against the Brooklyn Nets and also showing some of that aggressiveness when he comes down from his man on the three-point line to tip that basketball up in the air and I believe allow P.J. Washington the chance to go secure it. That is what is a positive sign when watching Miles Bridges play. His, but his open three-point shooting should not come at the expense of his ability to attack the basket because that's been the Hornets' problem this season offensively. Too many guys are lying on pull-up three-point shots. There, they, there hasn't been enough inside-out game, and Miles has to be one of the players that can drive to the basket along with Terry Rozier and then kick it out. And, and you're just there's no threat of that right now, and I think that's, that's something they have to explore and he has to explore uh, later on this season. Bobby Marks mentioned Devontae Graham possibly being an Eastern Conference All-Star. He also mentioned some of the trade possibilities surrounding the Charlotte Hornets. We'll talk about that next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. This is Locked On Hornets. So if you don't believe in the moon landing, Mm -hmm. then what would you say is the greatest human achievement? I think the greatest achievement of all time, and I think it's Vince Carter doing 360s clockwise it's rather really than counterclockwise. It's really tough. i it. It's really tough. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. I think almost as much as people enjoyed watching Devontae Graham go for 40, a lot of people also loved listening to the air horns rather than an actual buzzer that would go off in this Hornets and Nets game. Was it just not working, right? Like they had to go with the air horns and people absolutely fell in love with that. It was almost back at high school. Yeah, it's odd. I, I would have thought that the air, the, the horn that announces, you know, substitutions, that kind of thing would be digitally operated somehow within the sound system. But I guess something went wrong and they didn't have the, the horn. So you had a guy physically down on the court <laughs> blowing an air horn anytime. It was great. It was like we were, you know, in the club. I thought a Drake song was going to come on. Yeah, it was fantastic. I mean, I lo- I think they should just just can the whatever they had planned, just can that. Let's just get all air horn all the time. It was fantastic. Yeah. And, and every, I say every time that, there's a substitution, it, I'm waiting for Sandstorm to play. And I say that it reminds me of high school, but even high school is a little bit and even when I was in high school, which was 10 years ago, this was they had the buzzer going off. And so it's funny that an NBA team would have to go back to the air horn. Was that whole was that whole discussion an excuse for us to play the DJ air horn sound effects? Well, I'll just put it to you this way. I'm done. Bobby Marks has a piece out about the possible trade opportunities for the Charlotte Hornets and what may come about in season. And I this is interesting to me, Doug. The names that he says we should watch is Marvin Williams, Bismack Biombo, and Michael Kidd Gilchrist. So this is going to be the reading portion of the show. He writes, the cost it would take to move Nick Batum and the $53 million left on his contract keeps him off this list. The Hornets can ill afford to give up draft assets to move a player who will come off the cap ledger in 2021. That cap flexibility is a result of the expiring contracts of Williams, Biombo, and Kid Gilchrist. While expirings likely don't have as much value this year, trading Williams could come with Charlotte taking back a less uh, less desirable expiring contract and a second-round pick. So then you go to the front office deadline history of the Hornets, specifically under Kupchak, and he said, since taking over in May of 2018, Kupchak has made six trades, though none during the regular season. 
He is known as one of the more conservative GMs in the NBA regarding transactions, which I thought was a little surprising. I don't consider him conservative, but if that's something he's known for, I I don't know. Did that surprise you, Doug, or were you shaking your head in agreement when reading that? Well, I think maybe he was making reference to conservative in terms of in-season trade. That's what we've I thought. Cer- yeah, we've certainly seen him make big deals in Los Angeles, but a lot of them came in the off-season as opposed to in-season. And you compare that to the previous regime, regime Rich Cho was never afraid to make an in-season no, deal. But all those in-season deals were in service of winning. Uh, any, in, any in-season deal this season, I would hope, would not mm-hmm. be in service of winning and instead would be in service of acquiring assets. And, and you see there Bobby saying, listen, listen if you're going to give up Marvin, you're going to have to take something bad back. I know that Rick Bennell is not a fan of that. He doesn't want to see bad money uh, invested in any other players except for the young players that we have. Because remember, like Devontae, we're going to need to re-sign him eventually, and he's already, he's already you know, making the case that, that he deserves as much money as this team can throw at him to keep him. Uh, so there are decisions to make, and you want to be careful not to you know, make the same mistake you made with Kimba by overloading your, your books and, and being unable uh, to invest the maximum amount of money that you can to keep your young talent. So the names that Bobby Marks mentions, Marvin Williams, Bismack Biombo, and MKG. Sure. Marvin Williams has been at the top of this list pretty much as soon as the season ended last year. And for we years, talked about, really. We talked about the possibility of Marvin Williams being traded because of the situation that the Hornets were going to be in, especially once Kimba Walker was no longer a member of this team. So that's not surprising. We even had a trade idea maybe a couple of days ago that we talked about. Bismack Biombo. And MKG become a little bit more interesting than I think we originally thought. Bismack, even more so than MKG, which MKG kind of has arisen here the last couple of games. Bismack is someone that we have lauded for his physical play. Someone that's played better, has had a bigger role on this team than I expected. First, it was all Cody Zeller at the five. And we were hoping that Billy Hernan Gomez could possibly do something. His defense is still so bad. And his offense isn't good enough. So, Billy... No longer useful, really, at the five. Bismack Biombo has maybe played himself into something valuable if a team wants to have some kind of physicality and rebounding, and they're willing to give up a second-round pick for that, including it being an expiring contract. With MKG, now he's been playing a little bit to where I've always thought that Andre Robertson-type role fits MKG for a contending team. Look, I understand that. But if MKG continues a type of play where maybe he continues to hit 33% of his three-pointers, then why isn't he as valuable as some of these Tabo Cephalosha's, as these Andre Robertson, whose sole purpose is to go play defense and just be an energy guy? I think that has a spot on an NBA rotation, maybe off the bench, for even a contender trying to get to the playoffs. So if a team talks himself into seeing MKG play a little bit better here recently then, yeah, I think a second rounder coming back is a possibility. I, I, I can't disagree with you more. I, I just don't see any value for MKG on the market uh, because he's, it's not that he's not a competent offensive player. It's actually worse than that. Like he, he legitimately makes you play worse offensive basketball every minute that he's on the floor. With Bismack Biombo, I think he does have value because he is showing – that he has grown as an offensive player. Like, he is a competent offensive player. He's been able to contribute for this basketball team, and it's gotten better, honestly. I think he's better now than he was 
when he first started getting rotation minutes. Uh, so that's good. You want to see that improvement. I don't think you're going to see that improvement offensively for MKG as as his if his minutes sustain over the next few weeks. But I agree. Marvin at the top of this list, I think the good analysis from Bobby there, because a lot of people ask, why don't the Hornets just trade Nick Batum? Get him out of here. We don't want Nick Batum anymore. You hear <laughs> you that. You see that constantly. You see that constantly from fans. And, and here you have Bobby saying, listen, it's not – even if they were to find someone that could take this amount of money, which would be difficult because a lot of teams that are that are contending, they've, they're pretty invested at this point. But even if they found a team, the Hornets would have to actually give up assets in order to unload that contract. And it doesn't make sense when you're well, already in kind of a long-term mode and he's, he's one year away from being off the books. And that's why we're, we're even going back in time having that discussion. We've had that discussion a million times of what is the plan for the Hornets uh, regarding Kemba Walker. We had that discussion, but then, of course, it's about trading Nick Batum. We just want him off of this team so badly. No, you don't want to get rid of assets to do that. Keep right. your assets because of the situation that the team is in. It sucks. It's a bad contract. Nobody disagrees that it's one of the worst you could surely make an argument that it is the worst contract in all of the NBA. It does not mean I'm willing to attach a first round pick or a couple of second round picks, maybe a couple seconds, but it's going to take more than that. Like keep your assets, eat this Nick Batum contract up for its entirety and then move on. Once the Hornets are willing to contend for a postseason spot, that's something we probably should mention real quickly, Doug, before we end today's show is after an exciting win like this, after everybody is on a mm -hmm. high because of Devontae Graham's 40-point piece, mm -hmm. when you stop to think about it, now because of a win like this, are we starting to worry a little bit more that the Hornets might be winning too much? Do you think it comes down, or do you think it doesn't come down and you don't really care because it's young talent that's winning these basketball games? So 11 wins so far, that puts them on pace for 33. They've uh, 33 wins for the season. They've got Chicago coming up, who they almost beat the pants off of, except for Zach Levine almost setting an NBA all-time record for three-pointers made in a game. So you figure they've got a good shot at at least competing with Chicago in their next game. So that could be 12. That would put them probably on pace for about 35, 36 wins, which is the, <laughs> the nightmare number, right? Because they won 36 games the past oh, two God, right. seasons. So that would, that, would, that would really make you shudder as a Hornets fan. I don't think you should worry, one, because I think there will be an in-season trade that moves talent out and brings assets in. And I also think I don't I don't think I know that their their schedule gets so much tougher. Think about how many times they played the Bulls. Think about how many times they played the Nets, who without Kyrie. Think about how many times they played teams that have been uh, injury riddled so far. They've been very fortunate uh, this first part of the season. It gets less fortunate as the season moves on. So I wouldn't be too concerned. And if they somehow do it, it's going to be because Devonte is an unquestioned All Star. And that's a good thing for the Hornets long term. Yeah, that that's my thing. So I completely agree with you that they're going to probably take a dive once January hits and that schedule gets a lot more tough. But when you look at the way that they're winning games, let's say that they do finish with 30 wins and it's pretty surprising. It's because the young talent played a lot better than you expected. Right. And that's a good thing. It's the fact that Devonte yeah. has become close to what a Kimba would contribute. I mean, I know that might piss a lot of people off, but Kimba Walker was amazing. 
and they still couldn't make the playoffs. So if they win 30 games and Devontae Graham is playing like this, where he's averaging 20 and seven and a half, then that means one, those numbers aren't too far off of what Kimba was doing. And they only had a few wins less. I think that would be indicative of how far off Devontae is from Kimba, not to mention PJ playing better, not to mention, I think that would mean development for miles, not to mention that. I think that Malik would be a good piece off the bench with Cody and Bismarck. Like cool. If they start winning those games, then it's not like you can be too mad because it's the young pieces that are winning those games. Yeah, I would say for those Hornets fans that are concerned, I would say remember Milwaukee, remember Boston, where the Hornets, despite the best efforts of Devontae Graham and Terry Rozier, were just overwhelmed with the amount of talent on the other side. I mean, that's going to happen more often than not in February, March, and a little bit of April. So if you're concerned about it, I wouldn't be too concerned. All right. Thanks for listening. And remember, you can subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Hornets. More Devontae Graham love tomorrow to end out the week here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast.